Thank you for joining us at Byesville Assembly of God Church. We exist to be a place of connection to God and to others who believe in Jesus. We hope you feel a part of our church family today. We invite you to listen close as our interim pastor, Dan Deem, preaches the Word of God. We're going to be looking at the greatest question ever asked. If there was one time in history that I would like to have been alive, it would have been really cool to be alive on Palm Sunday, the original. And we're going to see, see why today. There's some exciting things that happen. So follow as I read in Matthew chapter 21, please. Verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought their donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the, on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Uh, the crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked the most important, the greatest question of all time. They asked, who is this? We're going to answer that question today. Who is Jesus? The crowds answer, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. That was a pretty good answer. But I think we're going to give a better answer as we look at the scriptures today. Who is Jesus? As we look at Palm Sunday. So as we begin, let's give a, just a little background here. How many of you have ever attended the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, parade in Canton? Anybody ever, ever go to that? Oh, come on, guys, two, two in this whole crowd. Um, it, it's, a, it's a great time, and, and being from Stark County, and I, I've lived there, you know, for uh, most of my life, and um, we, we, we used to attend this. Marsh and I would attend, but my very first time, it was so exciting. It was in 1971, and I'm 16 years old. Do the math. I'm 16 years old, and, and um, I'm getting ready to go because my older brother, Steve, is going to come and pick me up. I'm still living at home at 16. Steve was out of the house, and he came over, and he picked me up to go to the Hall of Fame parade. We had to stop and get donuts, of course, because what good is a parade if you don't have donuts? Sorry, Pastor Dustin, okay? And, and we ate donuts. You're 16. You can eat anything, okay? And, and so we, we got this. We got to our spot, and we're waiting, and then pretty soon, man, we start to hear the crowd. We start to hear sirens. We start to hear, I mean, the, the streets were packed. And, and sooner or later, here's what, what, what we saw, who we saw. Vince Lombardi came by. And if these names don't mean anything to you, okay, for, 
sorry, okay? Vince Lombardi and Y.A. Tittle and Norm Van Brocklin, and then my favorite, Jim Brown. And they were all uh, inducted that year in 1971. And the crowd went wild, and Steve and I were going wild, and we were just having fun and just making friends with everybody around us because it was just that kind of festivity. That was just a small little bit what it was like in Jerusalem that day on Palm Sunday. And so that's what we want to look at. It was a day unlike any day in history. There was never a day like that. There has never been a day since like that as well. And Jesus came, get this, for 2,000 years, 3,000 years, 4,000 years, they were waiting on the Messiah. They were waiting on the King of Kings. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes riding into town as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Folks, if you were in town that day, if you were the most quiet one in this group, you'd be shouting and stomping and, and rejoicing because the King has come. And people are realizing who Jesus was. You see, three years earlier, Jesus went into the temple, and he picked up the scroll of the writings of the prophet Isaiah, and, and he was not permitted to do this. Only the priest was allowed to do this. But here's this carpenter. He went in, he picked up the scroll, and he began to read. And he began to read that the Messiah was coming, and he was the one. And he, he sat down, and he said this, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here's this young guy that was telling the whole world, hey, you need to stop looking for the Messiah because the Messiah has arrived. Jesus was telling who he was. I mean, that would be bold and it would be daring. And would people believe him? Who knows? We're going to find out. So Jesus, over his lifespan on this earth, he called himself some crazy names. He called himself the Messiah, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Teacher, the good shepherd. He was bold enough to say that he was the way and the truth and the life. He was bold enough to say that no one gets to the Father except through me. I mean, he made some statements that either you loved him or you hated him. And, and, and these people on this day of Palm Sunday, they loved him. And so who was he? Was Jesus who he claimed to be or was he a crazy man? Time will tell. So here we are. We see in these next three years, he was found seen walking on water. That would be pretty awesome. That would be kind of scary. You know, people said that Peter walked on water once. Peter walked on water twice. Here's, why, here's how God leads us. He allows us and calls us in faith to get out of the boat. If you don't know the story, please read on this. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked toward Jesus, and then he got his eyes on the storm, and we focus on that, and we say, man, because of doubt, he began to sink. Yeah, but let me just tell you something. Jesus did not carry him all the way back to the boat. Jesus picked him back up, and he walked on the water again, but this time he walked beside Jesus. Folks, you can do miraculous things when you stay beside Jesus. You can do some amazing things when you put your eyes on Jesus. And Peter learned this, but Jesus was the example. Jesus, even during tax time, tax time's coming up here next month, folks. And Jesus told Peter, go out and fish. And when you do, look inside the mouth of that fish, and you're going to find enough money in that fish's mouth to pay for my taxes and your taxes both. You feel like going fishing today, okay? You never know what you're going to find. But Jesus did this. He raised the dead. But most of all, the most bold thing he ever did was this. He claimed that he could forgive sin. No one could claim that. 
No one would dare claim that. They wouldn't have the confidence in that. They'd be stoned to death. And yet Jesus said, I forgive sin. He said, go and sin no more. He says, I forgive you. And this is just just craziness. These kinds of things never happened. It sounded blasphemous. Who is this man named Jesus? And now at the age of 33, he did something that was totally out of his nature, out of his character. For his three years of ministry on this earth, all he did was focus upon the Father. He pointed everybody to the Father. When he did miraculous things, he even told people, don't tell anybody who did this. Just point him to the Father. It's always to the Father. But this day was different. This is the day that we were waiting for, for the Messiah to show up. And now he is saying, I am the one. You need to focus on me. See, it was Jerusalem at the beginning of the annual Passover celebration. Passover. We hear it today. The the, the Jewish community celebrates Passover. What is that? I think we remember Passover. The first one was with Moses. And when they were in Egypt and they're getting ready to begin the exodus. And and, and God said, Moses, here's what what you got to do. I want you to take a perfect lamb a sacrificed lamb, and I want you to slay that lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put it on the door frames of your house. Have your family to come and be surrounded by the blood of the lamb. And when you surround yourself by the blood of the lamb, when the death angel comes by, the death angel is going to wipe out the firstborn of everybody in the land except for those who are covered by the blood of the lamb. And then the death angel will pass over you. That's where the Passover comes from. And I want you to know it's still the blood of the lamb. Jesus Christ is going to protect us from the death angel. It's still the blood of the lamb that's going to save our soul. It's still the blood of the lamb that brings healing to our bodies. And Jesus is the one. And he's proclaiming that on Palm Sunday. On this day, Jesus told two of his disciples to go get a donkey. And he says, get a donkey that's never been ridden before. And he says, I'm going to ride that into town. Now, first of all, that sounds kind of crazy, okay? Because, you know, some of you ride horses. You might ride donkeys. But, but um, did you ever, is anyone in here, did anyone ever break a horse? I think some of you probably did. I don't know. But I'm telling you what, I, I, I had a horse break me before. Okay, it, it, it was not pleasant. It was not good. But, you know, to get on a donkey that has never been ridden before, that's going to take someone that's in, in control and authority over, over all creation. And that's Jesus. And that's what he was showing at this point. But, but not only that, it was strange because Jesus never rode anything. I mean, once in a while he was in a boat, we see, but he never rode a horse. There's no mention of a horse, a donkey, a camel. He walked everywhere he went. But this day was special. This day was different. This day was unique. And today what he was doing is riding into the city on a donkey. And the donkey is a symbol. In that day and age, it was a symbol that he was declaring that he was the king of peace. If he was a warrior, he would have ridden in on a stallion, but he was a king of peace, and he came riding in on a donkey. He was very intentional to let everybody know in the street that day who he was and what he was here for. So it just happened. It just so happens on that day. And when I hear the phrase or use the phrase, it just so happens, that means God is in charge here. It just so happened that the very day that Jesus rode into town on that donkey is the very day that the high priest was selecting the sacrificed lamb to be slain 
for the sins of the people. And Jesus, by no accident, decided to write into the town that day. He was declaring that he was the sacrifice lamb, that he was the one that was going to die for the sins of mankind. And you don't have to look anywhere else. He said, you can get that little lamb if you want to and do your thing, but I am the sacrifice lamb, and I am going to lay down my life for the sins of the people. Wow. God's timing is great. The city that day was filled with visitors. Through my research, there were about 2.9 million people in the city that day for the celebration. That's a lot of people today, but imagine back in Bible days, 2.9 million people. And as Jesus was on the donkey outside the city, he was approaching the city, and he paused. And he looked down into the city, and you probably remember the story. The Bible says that he began to weep, and he saw the multitudes down in the city as sheep without a shepherd. He said they, they are lost, and they're going crazy, and they're going their own way, and they have no direction. And he says, if they would just look at me, I'm just knowing he's feeling this. If they would just look at me and understand what I can do for them, then they're going to be found. As he was on the outside of the city before he came in, the Bible says some friends begin to gather around Jesus. He's up on the coat now. They put, put their coat there and, and so that he could ride on it. And, and I wonder, let your imagination run for a minute. The Bible doesn't give specifics as to who was there. But I wonder, was Lazarus there? Was Lazarus there who Jesus raised from the dead a few days ago? I mean, he might have been excited. Was, was Mary Magdalene there who Jesus cast out seven demons out of her? Was she there? Um, was blind Bartimaeus there who wasn't blind anymore? Uh, was he there? We know the disciples were there. We know they were there rejoicing with their Lord. So then it happened. They entered the city gates. And the crowds begin to, to shout, and they begin to sing, and they sing, Hosanna, Lord, save us. And just pause for a moment. Hosanna, directed to Jesus, Lord, save us. Was he really the Lord? Was it blasphemy? Was he who he said he was? Uh, we're we're going to find out here. Um, the, the crowd was getting into an uproar. There was so much praise and so much rejoicing, so much singing and shouting. The Bible uses this. It says that the place was in an uproar, and it used this word. You might recognize it. It's a Greek word, but it's seismic, how we measure earthquakes. The Bible says that the earth was actually, that part of the earth was actually shaking because people were shouting. There was a lot going on. Wouldn't it have been fun to be there? The people took off their coats and they placed them on the road for the donkey to walk on. They pulled off palm branches and they began to wave them as a sign of victory and liberty and great joy. I mean, they were celebrating and the parents were, children were asking their parents, what's going on here? I mean, it was a crazy time. You know, it might have been a time that Judas was thinking, you know what? Maybe it's going to work out according to my plan after all. Maybe the Lord is going to set up his throne here. You know, Peter was probably walking beside Jesus. I, just imagine Peter. God bless him. There's been a lot of sermons about Peter. And he's probably walking with his chest out. Yeah, I'm with Jesus, you know. Um, James and John, they might have been thinking, you know, maybe we do get to sit on his right side and his left side. You know, who knows what they were thinking, but they didn't. Did anyone really understand what was going on besides Jesus himself? Was Pilate watching? I think so. 
I mean, he's in charge there. And, and, and here's another man calling himself the king other than Caesar. And this could be trouble. There could be an uprising going on. And the Roman soldiers, you read the scripture, they were all over the place. And with, with 2.9 million people, and the, the Romans were trying to be in charge and crowd control and riding their horses. And I could just envision the horses lifting up their heads and, and snorting. Um, can anybody snort like a horse? And they were snorting and, and, and waving their swords. You know, just, folks, this wasn't just a little ho-hum day. This was the day. And things were happening. It, it would have been so much, so much fun to be there. And I just wonder, what were the Roman soldiers thinking? What were the evil religious leaders thinking? What were the unbelieving parents thinking? What were the unbelieving parents telling their children about Jesus? What are you telling your children about Jesus? There's more to Christmas than Santa Claus. There's more to Easter than an Easter basket. We need to be able to tell our children about Jesus. And I could just sit, because I know my kids, I know my grandkids, and they'd be pulling us, Grandpa, what is this all about? And we need to be able to tell our children about Jesus. And then someone in the crowd asked the greatest question that was ever asked. Who is this? Who is this? Man, that's a life-changing question, folks. Your answer to that question will determine not only your eternity, but your answer to that question, if you're a believer, is going to determine how you live on this earth before you go to heaven. Your answer to that question understands that you're serving the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the healer, the baptizer. You're serving the one who has given you the fruit of the Spirit, that we are to walk in love and joy and peace and patience and self-control. And Jesus is the one that's going to help us to live that kind of way until we get to heaven. We need to understand who Jesus is. And what does the Bible say about Jesus? How does the Bible address him? The Bible says that he's the king of kings, meaning that he's ahead of all powers on this earth. He's ahead of all the authorities of the unseen world as well, the demonic spirits. Jesus is the king of kings. Folks, let me just tell you, you're serving the king of kings. There's no one greater than Jesus. This is what the Bible says. He's the Lord of lords. He's the savior of the world. The Bible says he's the Alpha, the Omega, meaning he's the first and the last, meaning he always was and he always will be. You cannot say that about anyone else. He's the healer. He's the healer. He's the baptizer. He's the comforter. He's the one that gives you wisdom. He is the one. He's the, the, the Almighty. And we just sang about it today. He's the soon coming king he's jesus he's the one and folks we need to understand who he is because when you're down in the dumps you need to look to the king when things are going good you need to thank the king it's all because of him all the glory goes to the king jesus and you know what he's more powerful than temptation more powerful than temptation I was saying at the 9 o'clock service uh, today that I had coffee. We had a, a devotional time uh, uh, with uh, Tim and Jack. You, you don't know them. You don't need to know them. You'll know them in heaven. They're great, people, great men of God. And we're sitting there at McDonald's. We're having our, our Bible study. And, and, and um, I thought I was the teacher. 
And then all of a sudden, Tim asked a question. Tim said, what sin do you have to commit? And Jack and I looked at each other. We didn't like the answer because the answer was none. We sin because we want to. We sin sometimes we don't want to, but we do it anyhow because we're weak. Let me just tell you the truth. My Jesus, my King, is stronger than any temptation I will ever face. When I am tempted, I can lean upon him. He gives me the power and the grace, Titus 2, verse 11 and 12, the power and the grace to say no to temptation and to worldly, worldly desires. It's Jesus, folks. It's all about Jesus. Man, no wonder, no wonder John said, he must increase, I must decrease. Or was that Paul that said that? If you don't know, it doesn't matter, right? It's one or the other. Okay. It's all about Jesus. He's wiser than the devil, which makes a lot of sense. He's the king of the hill. Did you ever play king of the hill as a kid? Gary, I bet you were good at that. Yeah, I, 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 I don't doubt that. You're the king of the hill. You know, they got a little mound and you got 10 kids and, and you try to get up there and the other nine try to pull you off and whoever stays up on there, they're the king of the hill. And, and you always want to play that with somebody smaller than you. You know, that's just weaker than you. But, but, but Jesus, he's the king of the hill. They try to pull him off the cross. They try to keep him in the grave. They couldn't do it. He's Jesus. He's the king of the hill. Folks, that's who we serve. We serve a great God. Don't forget it. And when you're discouraged and you're down in the dumps, it's real easy just to look inward and you feel weak and small. Stop. We need to focus on the Lord. We're talking about Jesus here. Wow. So who is this man? How about we ask a few people in this scripture? Hey, Peter, who's Jesus? Oh, Jesus, he's the Christ, the son of the living God. Hey, John the Baptist, who's Jesus? Hey, there he is right there. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's who he is. Hey, John, who's Jesus? Oh, Jesus is the word of God. Thomas, who's Jesus? He's my Lord and my Savior. Hey, Mary and Martha, who's Jesus? Jesus is Lord. Jesus, let's ask Jesus. Jesus, who are you? What Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. Jesus is saying, I am God. You don't need to look anywhere else. I am God. Hey, God, who is Jesus? God says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God says he's my son. Hey, Roman soldier, hey, you that just stuck the spear in the side of Jesus when he is on the cross, who is Jesus? And the soldier would say, surely he was a son of God. That's who it is. So who is Jesus? He's the friend who sticks closer than the brother. He's a doctor when you're sick. He's a lawyer when you're in trouble. He's the bread when you're hungry. He's your counselor when you're confused. He's the Savior who died on the cross for your sins and my sins. He's the giver of eternal life. And folks, once we settle the question, who is Jesus, there is a second question. What are you going to do about it? 
It's real easy to know who he is. Well, it's not real easy, but to, to know who he is in your head is one thing, but to know who he is in your heart is something else. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. We have a man in the church in Louisville. He's now in heaven. His name was Fran. And, and, and his favorite song, if I would ever ask anybody, hey, let's sing your favorite song. What is it? I have decided to follow Jesus. Do you know that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided about Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus because I know who he is. I know what he's done for my family. I know what he's going to do for my family. I know what he's done in my marriage. I know what he's done in my own personal life. I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what I have decided. And from a young boy, I've decided to follow Jesus, and I'm going to keep following Jesus. That's just, I'm just stubborn enough to do it, and I know I'm right. What are you going to do about it? I don't know you. For, we've been here three months, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know your heart. God knows your heart. But it's been said about the devil that he wanted to win many souls. So he decided to tell people there is no hell. So there's no hell. There's no hell. There's no hell. Don't worry how you live. There's no hell. And he won a few souls that way. But he wasn't satisfied, so he said, okay, I have another idea. I'm going to tell everybody there's no heaven. There's no heaven, no heaven, no heaven. Why live a, a holy, righteous life if there's no heaven? And he won a few more souls that way, but he wasn't satisfied. So then he started to use this as a goal, and he told people, you have plenty of time. Folks, you don't have plenty of time. Today is the day of salvation, today. And why in the world would you want to wait anyhow because of all that Jesus has to offer you? This is the greatest life in the world. An old song back in the 70s, Andre Crouch, if heaven never was promised to me, it'd be worth it. Just giving my life to the Lord. Help me out, Marcia. It'd be worth just having the Lord in my life because of all that he does for us on this earth. But I'm thankful for heaven. Folks, we don't know. Time is short. Pete knows that. Man, it's good to see you back there, Pete. Awesome. We heard uh, this morning that uh, our brother Joe uh, had some health issues this week, and they were, they were pretty serious, but, but he's doing okay now, too. We, we thank God for that. But, folks, no one's promised tomorrow. And I'm telling you what, Jesus Christ is real, and he's alive, and he's coming again, and he loves you, and he has an incredible life in store for you. Doesn't mean you're not going to have pain and suffering, but as you go through pain and suffering, you're going to have peace and strength at the same time. Jesus loves you, and he's with you, and now it's time to make a decision. Who is this man? Peter was right. He's the Christ, the son of the living God. What are you going to do about it? Man, I'm going to follow Jesus. Would you just close your eyes for a moment, please, everyone? With your eyes closed, um, we're going to celebrate with communion in just a few moments. But before so, I, I would love for everyone to celebrate communion because I want to make sure we're all ready in our heart. And today, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord... Or maybe, maybe you 
walked away and you just haven't been doing what you should be and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus would you just raise your hand right where you are and say Pastor Dan would you pray for me how many in this room today I really don't I don't know you thank you you can put your hand down that's, that's awesome anybody else today thank you you can put it down beautiful saw so three hands today Three hands this morning, three hands at this service as well. I just want you three to know how much God loves you. Would everyone in the church repeat a prayer to help these three as they pray? Dear Jesus, I love you and I need you. I know who you are. You're the Savior, the forgiver of sins. Forgive me of every sin. I dedicate my life to you. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to help me on this earth. And I want to see you in heaven. I need you. And I love you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand today. The Bible says when one gives her heart to Jesus, the angels rejoice. For those who have raised their hand, I just want to encourage you to find a good church. You found one here. And, and read, read the Bible. If you're not good at reading, get on an app somewhere and let it read to you. I would recommend starting in the book of John. It, it just tells you so much about the love of Jesus for you. And then tell somebody. You get stronger when you tell somebody you, you just do. Thank you for listening to Byesville Assembly of God. At our church, we exist to be a place of connection to God and to others who believe in Jesus. We're glad you joined us today. We hope you join us next time as we hear a powerful word from the Bible. God bless you and your family from all of us at Byesville Assembly of God.